The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. Mommy, where are you? Mommy, I can't see. Mommy. I'm going to call the doctor. I said no. Verge, there's nothing they can do. But we can't just let her lie there. Well, this way she has a chance. If you call a doctor, he'll report it. Do you want that? How can you be so sure she... Blindness is one of the symptoms. You're not to call a doctor under any circumstances. No one is to come into this house. Now remember that. Welcome, everyone. It is Thursday, September 23rd, 2021. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing. It's Just Right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be Here in Canada, we had our election distraction to keep us occupied for the past few weeks, and now our focus once again must point to the elephant in the room. The next phase of mandated injections, including the introduction of vaccine passports, prohibitions on freedom of association and on trade, and the continued and entrenched official malpractice within our medical establishment. The mainstream media will continue to be the menace of misinformation and outright lies that any paid-by-government propaganda machine is obligated to be, and the truth will continue to be found on all of the alternative and continuously censored media that dare to say what we'll be saying. Right after our reminder that you can write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org. Hear us on WBCQ and on Channel 292 Shortwave. Follow and like us on your favorite podcast platform and visit us at justrightmedia.org where you can access all of Just Right's social media links and our archive broadcasts. As always, your financial support is appreciated and is what makes this show possible. While I usually respect everybody, and uh, their choices. I don't want one single mother ever coming to my page and telling me I need to get the fucking vaccine. My little sister just died. From her first dose. You want to sit here and tell me that the f***ing vaccine works? F*** you. F*** that vaccine. F*** the government. F*** Joe Biden and f*** anybody who f***ing forces anybody to get a vaccine. I pray karma reaches your life and I pray that karma is swift and hard that anyone could even consider giving a child this monstrous gene therapy injection being falsely sold as a vaccine to prevent COVID 
let alone inject them with it, is a murderous and moral crime that just screams for justice. It's child abuse, plain and simple. But what can you do when the very instrument of justice upon which you depend to administer that justice has become the instrument of injustice and death? Welcome to the new normal, the great reset, the insane political world that supports the death cult of the left. That's what Robert and I have been calling it for years. That's the world that awaits us, if we let them keep getting away with it. And I do mean the world that awaits us because this is a global crisis which requires a global response. And that means it's up to the individuals and citizens of each country affected by the manufactured crisis to take the actions necessary to reclaim their rights and freedom. Get your vaccination or else. You know, that's the bottom line message coming from all levels of government who should have no say over health matters in the first place, like none. Now, you might recall that a couple of weeks ago, I had the pleasure and honor of interviewing registered nurse Kristen Nagel at the August 31st PPC rally in London. At that time, she announced that her group, Canadian Frontline Nurses, would be holding a protest in front of a London hospital on a busy street corner of the city on September 1st. I've been told that some two to 5,000 people participated over the three-hour period, which qualifies, you know, as a profoundly significant event in the city of London, Ontario. And yet the London Free Press and other mainstream media did not even mention that the event occurred. That is, <laughs> with one small exception that was drawn to my attention, buried in the middle of a despicable page two editorial penned by the equally despicable Jane Sims in the London Free Press on September 3rd under an editorial titled Vaccine Hesitancy, a Puzzle to Many, Especially the Vulnerable. Now in that editorial, she cited the case of 68-year-old Debbie Park who apparently suffers from a chronic lung condition and a suppressed immune system. Quote, Park had to be careful even before the worst public health crisis in our lives. But once COVID-19 hit, she couldn't go anywhere, end quote. Then Sims goes on to cry some crocodile tears for Park, relating how Park is stuck at home, not much different from millions of others locked out of their jobs and social activities. But then Sims, referring to Park, writes, quote, She can't understand why people won't get their shots. Me neither, especially the noisy horde who showed up Wednesday outside Victoria Hospital while inside, brave healthcare workers are working round the clock to save lives. This doesn't make any sense to me, Park said. The fact that they don't seem to care about the people in their community at all. And it's all about me, my right, I can choose. Yes, but where is your compassion? She's bang on. There is a wonderful, easy solution to the problem, but until that light bulb goes on for the stubborn, the rest of us are stuck in a pandemic world, end quote. Now, of course, that noisy horde of protesters outside the hospital were hospital workers themselves, police officers, and other government workers who are tired of being censored and of being threatened with being fired from their long-held jobs and professions if they don't get a COVID shot. They're not just a noisy horde of protesters. To suggest that this highly knowledgeable and morally responsible group, quote, don't seem to care about the people in their community at all, end quote, is beyond libel and slander. This, again, is an example of the, of the selfishness, you know, the bad kind, the irrational selfishness that drives altruism. 
A single individual who has a chronic health condition and whose health is her own responsibility is arguing that others must risk their lives and violate their own convictions and truth. For her sake. Holy cow. You want to talk about selfish and not caring about others. And Sims should be reminded that those of us who have chosen to remain healthy by not getting an injection are not being quote-unquote stubborn. Give me a break. To use a word of that nature in this context, you know, that sounds like a threat, Jane. You're threatening us. It suggests some kind of, you know, coming use of force to overcome our stubbornness. Are you being stubborn when you choose to eat one type of food over another? Is that stubbornness? It's a choice. Done. Quit talking about stubbornness. That's you being stubborn. So that was on September 3rd. Now fast forward to September 14th, and lo and behold, Jane Sims is right on the front page with another despicable editorial under the headline, Protesters Put Themselves Ahead of Public Health. And above the headline is a large picture of protesters lined up on the side of the road in front of the hospital holding signs like, Coercion is not consent. Or, it ends when we say no. Now, this was a much smaller protest than the one that they didn't cover, which I thought was interesting, so they picked a smaller protest and put that one on the front page. And I quote, One organizer was fired LHSC nurse Kristen Nagel, who has elbowed her way to the front of the anti-everything pandemic movement. She could be seen mingling with the hometown crowd. Anti-COVID restriction pioneer Henry Hildebrandt, pastor at Aylmer's controversial Church of God, who frankly has never seen a TV camera or megaphone he didn't like, also showed up. The rest of the participants appeared to be jazzed by the protest and the people honking horns as they drove by. Some wore purple People's Party of Canada shirts and hats, and there were a few bright red Free Canada t-shirts. LHSC's administration and London's mayor condemned the protest. At Monday's Middlesex London Health Unit media briefing, Mayor Ed Holder called the protesters quote-unquote mindless mobs. The ultimate irony is when members of this ignorant mob inevitably become sick with COVID in the coming days, weeks, or months, it's the people they're harassing who will treat them with kindness, compassion, and professionalism, he said. It seems to me the protesters have all gotten so fascinated by their own navels that they can't see past their divisive politics to look for ways to work with their neighbors, the majority who are vaccinated and want to solve a worldwide public health crisis. I acknowledge that not getting vaccinated is their choice. And that choice leads to necessary consequences, including to stay away from the rest of us who have taken the action not to get sick, end quote. And that was Jane Sims. And talk about sick. Oh boy, everybody in there was sick, even the mayor of London. I mean, to call such intelligent people mindless mobs and to tell them that they're going to, to get sick, the guy doesn't, he either doesn't understand what the hell's going on or he's criminally responsible. And talk about sick. There are other parts of Jane Sims' diatribe that reveal psychological abnormalities that could fill a book. And of course, always, the obligatory appeal to altruism. It's always the people she disagrees with who should be altruistic and comply with her way of thinking. But as far as exhibiting any compassion from her side towards those who choose freedom, she has only contempt and insults and hatred towards the messengers of a message that she never once even mentions. It's the messenger she attacks. Kristen Nagel, who has elbowed her way to the front of the anti-everything pandemic movement, 
Henry Hildebrandt, who frankly has never seen a TV camera or megaphone he doesn't like. What the hell has that got to do with anything? It's not even true. That's your opinion. Interesting that we should have featured both of those people on our September 9th show. But what are these movements about? What is the cause of these movements? What is their purpose? That's a blank out. Jane Sims doesn't say. That's because the movement is about presenting the overwhelming evidence that everything the government has done to combat the so-called pandemic since day one has been utterly useless, destructive, immoral, illegal, and that freedom is what the government should be protecting, not abolishing. This is not something you can convey on a single two-word sign or with a single sentence slogan or meme. Protests are held to draw attention to where you can go to get the correct information. That's why you see websites and all sorts of contact points on these signs. And what is the message that Pastor Hildebrandt wishes to convey? Blanco, she doesn't mention. According to Sims, his sin is liking the publicity that he needs to have his message heard. You know, Jane Sims is among the most vile and contemptible published writers anywhere whose perspective on anything is skewed by a deranged moral code and an intolerance of any disagreement. Which is understandable, you know, given that she's pretty close to being 100% wrong about everything she writes. So if you're in that boat, no wonder you disagree with everybody and you don't want them to be given equal time. Maybe she should get together with the financial posts Diane Francis, whom I identified as a socialist on the left many decades ago, as conservatives, quote-unquote, far and wide, continued to believe her to be a conservative. Again, because of a few common-sense economic issues she may have penned an essay about. Now, I've talked about this on past episodes of this show, but she's no conservative. Well, as fate would have it, Diane Francis revealed herself to be every bit as despicable as Jane Sims, as the wonderful Laura Lynn Tyler Thompson discovered on her own on her show of September 17. I don't know about you, but I'm done with compromise. And I'm done with people like this lady on the Financial Post, Diane Francis. Uh, she basically, in calling out Maxime, does not like the fact that he's having these super spreader events, as she wants to say. And she has said that uh, the fourth wave is a new pandemic of unvaccinated people, which is why no one should vote for Maxime Bernier and the People's Party of Canada. So she's saying that it's a pandemic of the unvaccinated. I mean, there's unvaccinated in every party. So she's a big CPC supporter speaking like this. And in the next screen here, she basically says, I'm just shocked by this. Personally, I don't allow unvaccinated people in my home and I don't want them in my workplace or beside me in a club or a restaurant or an airplane. For that reason alone, Bernie doesn't deserve my political support. Wow, lady. Wow, are you ever ever a bigot and a hate monger you're inciting hate right now with those words in canada and i don't like it and i think it's pathetic and i think that you have lost the plot on what freedom is in canada people like you on the news every night on the radio stations mainstream media hating on the unvaccinated how pathetic are you 
But I'll tell you something, your day's coming. You know why? Well, you probably got a placebo. You know that, right? You know that placebos are in full effect right now. And many of you don't even have the vaccination. Secondly, how many booster shots, Diane, until you think it's a bad idea to be getting these vaccine passports? How many booster shots that you will be forced to take so you can remain in the vaccinated club before you think this was a real bad idea? Have you seen the VAERS report, ma'am? Have you seen the thousands and thousands and thousands of deaths right after getting vaccinated? Have you seen the hundreds of thousands of negative reactions? Did you see yesterday the young man whose sister, younger sister just died? She took her first shot. She died. A young girl who would not even be affected by COVID. Diane, do you know that it's 99.7% recovery rate. Do you really want to go down this path before we even have all the data in from what's happening? Because the data is rolling in, but you wouldn't know. You're just busy writing your little opinions and probably listening to CTV or CBC or, you know, your, your mainstream media news networks that are paid. Paid by who? by Prime Minister Trudeau. Shocking. He's paying everybody to speak his stuff so nobody knows the truth. And you, ma'am, are against the, the one guy that is fighting for your freedom. Unbelievable. Just very disturbing. So what we're doing is we are vaccinating children, we're vaccinating people, we're mandating, and now in many parts of our country, we are going to be insisting that our healthcare workers who, isn't it interesting, don't want to take the vaccine, good percentage of them. I mean, they know what's going on, don't they? They've studied a lot more than you and I, probably know a lot more about medical things than you do, Diane, and they don't want to take the vaccine. And now we're forcing people to. You think that's a good idea, huh? Like that all adds up to common sense, to you, you hating on people that have looked at the deaths, right? They've looked at the facts. People have done a lot of research and I've spent a lot of hours doing it. And the hate that is coming forward to the unvaccinated is unwarranted, it's unlearned and ignorant. You're a bigot and you're promoting hate and somebody should sue you for that. So all I can say to the hate mongers who are so ignorant that they don't know, there is definitely cause to be concerned about what real doctors are finding out. And there's another real doctor, and I'd like to play you a short 40-second clip of what he has to say, and then I'll read more about it. So vaccinated people should be put in quarantine and should be isolated from the society. And unvaccinated people 
are, are not dangerous. Vaccinated people are dangerous for others. It's proven in Israel now, uh, as I'm in contact with many physicians in Israel, uh, they have a big problems. Uh, now, severe cases in the hospitals are among vaccinated people. And uh, in UK also, you had a larger uh, vaccination program and also there are problems. The World Health Organization European Advisory Group of Experts in Immunization, former Vice President Professor Christian Perone said that all vaccinated people must quarantine over the winter months or risk serious illness. Do you understand that what's happening right now in Israel is that it's the vaccinated people that are filling up the hospitals? And this has been reported on. Um, Perone specializes in tropical pathologies and emerging infectious diseases. He was chairman of the Specialized Committee on Communicable Diseases of the High Council of Public Health. Sounds like he knows a lot about disease, viruses, and that he studied this. And this is not different than what a lot of people have been reporting, Dr. Peter McCullough. People have been sounding the alarm about the vaccines, the harms, the deaths, and potentially what's happening now as we go into third and fourth waves and all the booster shots that you might need that apparently will give you 12 days of covering confirming the rapidly deteriorating situation in israel and in the uk the infectious disease experts stated vaccinated people should be put in quarantine and should be isolated from society he went on to say unvaccinated people are not dangerous Vaccinated people are dangerous for others. It's proven in Israel now. I'm in contact with many physicians in Israel. They're having big problems. Severe cases in the hospitals are among vaccinated people. And in the UK also, you have the larger vaccination program and also there are problems there. The current working group on the COVID-19 pandemic in France was reported to be utterly panicked on receipt of the news, fearing pandemonium if it follows the guidance of the experts. Talk about two opposite interpretations of who's a threat to who when it comes to the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated. We have some interesting times ahead of us and our governments and officials won't even allow us to talk about it. Now, a couple of things need to be noted. And one of them concerns this fourth wave, which is a pandemic of the unvaccinated, according to Diane Francis. A pandemic of the unvaccinated. Give me a break. There is no evidence of this, nor does that make any logical sense. But what about a pandemic of the vaccinated? In this case, caused by an injection that is not a vaccine. Not only is there growing evidence of this, but this scenario perfectly fits with what we would expect based on what we were told by the vaccine producers themselves. Big Pharma was talking about creating a vaccine, quote-unquote, that could be spread from the injected to the non-injected without the latter even knowing about it. And I agree with Laura Lynn about the comments expressed by Diane Francis. They were unconscionable promoting hatred and intolerance towards an identifiable group for political reasons. I mean, to not vote for Bernier. 
The ultimate insult to those who have chosen to get an injection is that the vast majority of them did not get it for health reasons, but for secondary reasons relating to getting back a bit of their freedom that was taken away from them, whether to travel, to work, or visit family. But now, even after having received a double vax, they're being told that they'll need to keep their vaccine passports up to date on a regular basis by getting regular booster shots. Many who have been double vaxxed will be considered to be unvaxxed after a some chosen arbitrary time. And on the other side of this coin, the definition of a vaxxed individual has been changing. First, they deemed that anyone who got their second shot was not considered vaxxed for two days. Then they extended it to 14 days. That way, officials could lie to us by saying that those who died within these periods of having gotten an injection were among the unvaccinated. You see what they're doing here? Now, coming up next from Canada Poly's Mark Paralavos on his September 17th show, a few interesting selections highlighting other inconvenient truths and realities about the coerced demand to have everyone injected. Now, I had this um, tweet, excuse me, this link to the nurse from Quebec, the Pontiac nurse. Um, but Christine Elliott, who's the Minister for Health for Ontario, says a commonly asked question is whether vaccines are safe while pregnant. COVID-19 vaccines are safe and effective during pregnancy. And in fact, pregnant women with COVID-19 are at an increased risk for hospitalization and ICU admission. Um, so she's saying, get it. And if you don't get it, you're at an increased risk. Twitter removed this nurse from Pontiac, Quebec. But this is the nurse. And she's the one who's talking about the um, the spontaneous abortions and other other negative effects that she's seen. She's a Canadian nurse. You can see the, the Quebec um, highway um, sign in the background. Somebody said, oh, she's not Canadian. I said, yes, she is. And then I laughed and pointed that out. But anyway, here she is. Here we go. My first name is Erica Beardsley, and uh, I left the nursing in Quebec for after 11 years. I loved my job. I loved the people. And uh, I physically seen people restraining the elderly and vaccinating against their will while they scream no. I seen patients coming in with suicide and they are testing them at their dead. When, once they're dead, they're testing them for COVID. Why? Why are we testing them for COVID? I've witnessed a lot of people dying of heart attacks shortly after the vaccine. I've witnessed uh, miscarriages at full term, five days, four days after vaccine. And, and that's just a little town, a little community. Um, because I'm in a little hospital, a small hospital, and I worked on every floor. I worked in long-term general care, eMERGE, uh, external clinic, I saw it all. What's the size of the community? About 3,000, it's the Pontiac area of Quebec. And I have nothing to lose, I have nothing to hide. Erica Beardsley, man. Wild. Wild. So that's 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 something to think about. Here's another thing to think about. I think just listening to people talk, how come nobody's asking the nurses why they don't want it? Yeah. That should be a huge red flag. That should be a huge flag. Why is nobody asking these questions? Because you have healthcare systems that have very minimal people vaccinated. They want to tell you that they're fully vaccinated. They are not. There is departments with 20% vaccinated. ER departments are very low. Why? Why, people? We are seeing it, and they're not listening. 
I think uh, the last 18 months for a lot of us has been a blur. I mean, what's normal anymore? Nothing. Um, to think that we were once hailed as heroes and people that other people looked up to because of what we were doing, is, and to now suddenly we're being referred to as ignorant, uneducated, and that we're directly responsible for spreading this virus around is absolutely absurd. And what's happened in the last three months even has perpetuated that absurdity to just downright insanity. Um, I, I can't, it, it's disgusting that humanity has turned to this and all of this division amongst, um, you know, just good people and even coworkers. You know, we're, we're all experiencing bullying, coercion, name calling, um, segregation. It's just unacceptable. Um, more and more people speaking out against this, more and more people saying no, more and more people saying like what's happening is, is just seems crazy, right? Um, those were nurses as far as I know. This is, this is another very concerning one, but I think this illustrates a different, a different um, side of this. This guy has an integral job at a, at a hospital. He's one of two, okay? I'll let him explain, but unbelievable stuff happening. Okay, here we go. Um, I'm up here today because I am a healthcare worker. I've been in my profession for almost 20 years. None of you probably know what I do. Um, I run the heart-lung bypass machine, open-heart surgery. There's two of us in this town. We were both in this room today. When we can't show up for work, the hospital goes on diversion, which means the ER can't take critical patients, and the helicopters fly right over us. Neither one of us are getting this vaccine. Neither one of us are willing to take that because we know what's on stake, at stake for freedoms past that. I've alternated between should I just keep providing for my family, should I take the job and just keep getting my paycheck, I'll take it for the team. If I die, at least they'll get provision for as long as it takes until I may or may not have symptoms. But then I'm like, no, that can't happen because if I fold here, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm here because the Board of Supervisors is failing, other than Patrick. Patrick's a hero. Um, so... He's not threatening. He's saying, you, if you tell me I have to take this job, and if I don't take it, I can't come to work. I'm telling you I can't come to work. And I'm telling you if I can't come to work, the helicopters fly over and real people, other people who would not have died from, had you not put this edict in, will die. And it's not his fault. It's their fault for making this impossible edict. They are creating a crisis on purpose. They're doing it in the States and they're doing it in Canada and they're doing it on purpose and they're gonna use it to lock us down. They're gonna say, oh, we're in crisis and we're, they're gonna lock us down and say, there's no other way out of this. We have to do it this way. And they're gonna lock us down. This is an eight hour US FDA meeting. This is the meeting where they denied, so this AP article here is based on this meeting, okay, where they denied the uh, booster because it is, it is dangerous, right? And here's, here's the meat and potatoes of that meeting if you're interested, but this is what this is saying. So I'm just gonna let it play for a minute. ...significant, but the other numbers are troubling. Even if the vaccines had 100% protection, it still means we kill two people to save one life. Four experts did analyses using completely different non-US data sources, and all of them came up with approximately the same number of excess vaccine-related deaths, about 411 deaths per million doses. 
that translates into 150,000 people have died. Next slide would be slide number 11, uh, the nursing home. Now the real numbers confirm that we kill more than we save. And I, will, uh, I would love everyone to look at the Israel Ministry of Health data on the 90 plus year olds where we went to, we went from a 94.4% uh, vaccinated group to 82.9% vaccinated in the last four months. In the most optimistic scenario, it means that 50% of the vaccinated people died and 0% of unvaccinated people died. Unless you can explain that to the American public, you cannot approve the boosters. Slide number 16, please, myocarditis. Uh, the paper just posted yesterday on MedArchive entitled mRNA COVID-19 Vaccination and Development of CMR Confirmed Myopericarditis shows that the myopericarditis risk was one in a thousand. And that's an overall age range from 16, 18 to 65, mean age of 33. It is not inconsistent with what the bear shows. Next slide would be slide number 18, gaming of the trial. It's pretty clear that the Pfizer trial results were gained. It's statistically impossible for protocol violations to be five times higher in the treatment group. Why hasn't this been investigated? And, and it just goes on and on and on. I could let it go for a little while, but I think you get the point. I think you get the point. And if you don't, go watch. Go watch and, and read the news articles. But read them with a critical eye because they're being spun to say Biden's trying to protect you and blah, 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 blah. Um, and, and so um, when the protection that they're offering actually does more harm than good, what does that say about the people offering that? Uh, this is important. No approval on booster shots. And we know that the original shots lose efficacy at no more than six months. Most of the vaccinated will soon become unvaccinated. Then what? What good are the vaccine passports? So if the U.S. doesn't approve um, boosters, does Canada approve boosters? And then we go like, and then we say, see, it's just fine, right? I don't know, man. So it doesn't look like the U.S. is getting boosters. How will Canada backdoor this? We'll see, right? I'm sure NC NACI will, will come out and be like, oh, yeah, no, boosters are wonderful for everybody. You are listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. When I hear a statistic like, we killed two people to save one life, I have to question the very premise of that. I can see and count those killed by the injections, but where is any direct evidence of any life saved? To argue that a vaccine has saved a life requires knowledge that a particular life was destined to die without that vaccine. How can it be shown that the recipient of a vaccine wouldn't have survived in any case even without the vaccine? At best, this is a statistical game of deception based on presumptions. If someone gets a vaccine and doesn't get sick, where is the evidence that he wouldn't have remained healthy without it? And how can you argue in real medical terms, not just statistical terms, that the vaccine was truly effective or preventative, especially in this case with this vaccine? Did you know that up to half of those being vaccinated are getting placebos? And as I learned from watching an official hearing held before some British committee, the MP speaking made it clear that those who receive a placebo will be legally considered vaccinated and will have the same social status as those who got the real experimental injection. In other words, recipients of placebos will get a valid vaccine passport even though they haven't been vaccinated. I mean, after all, this is part of a purported experiment, but the placebo strategy, I think, serves at least two purposes. On the one hand, it is the experimental variable, lending credence to the experiment argument. 
But on the other, it allows those who believe they've been vaccinated to argue that they experience no discomfort and therefore would help promote the injections to others who are considering them. After all, they're not being told whether or not they got a placebo. In fact, they're not being told about anything about these, these injections. But by the time they get to their third, fourth, fifth, and perpetual injections in the future, which is how you'll have to keep your vaccine passport up to date, the next shots may not be placebos. Which, of course, begs the big question. What are these injections really for? Have any of you seen the slides and photos of the blood test taken from people both before and after their injections? Experts are encountering never-before-seen alterations in the blood chemistry. The comparison between good blood versus vax blood is visibly startling, even to an untrained eye. It's the kind of stuff I've seen in science fiction which is probably why we are hearing more stories like this. I am in the hospital right now with heart complications from the COVID-19 vaccine. And I want to inform as many people as I can about the risks from taking the vaccine that I wish someone would have told me. So I am a division one student athlete with no prior health issues. And I got the second COVID shot Tuesday, and within four days, I have been diagnosed with myocarditis and was told that I probably won't be able to play my senior season now. It is a side effect from the COVID vaccine, and it's really not being reported or addressed, and it is a serious issue that we should all be informed about before making this decision. Everyone should be informed of the side effects and no one should be forced to take something that could cause what has happened to me. Did you catch that? No one told him about the risks. Informed consent was not the condition under which this poor fellow took his injection. And he is but one of millions who are finding themselves in the same situation. And the medical establishment wants to blame the plight of this poor fellow and others like him those who have received an injection, on the non-injected. And the attempt to segregate the vax from the non-vax is perfectly consistent with this ongoing fascist agenda. Don't know if you've noticed, but every state tactic has one commonality, to keep us physically apart from each other. And this is not a tactic to prevent the spread of any virus, simply because it doesn't work for that in the first place. The sinister nature of what we are truly up against was recently highlighted on an episode of The Fifth Doctor concerning what U.S. President Trump was up against when he was in the White House. So coming up next from a September 4th posting of The Fifth Doctor hosted by Dr. Sam Dubay and featuring his guests Dr. Roger Hodkinson and Dr. Paul Alexander, Two incredibly qualified and knowledgeable real experts in the field of viral research and responses, and boy did they have some stories to tell. On this side of the bumper we'll be hearing the voice of Jamaican-born, but now Toronto-Ontario resident, Dr. Paul Alexander, whose credentials on viral issues earned him an invitation to the White House during Trump's presidency. The story he shared with the other two doctors during their lengthy discussion was hair-raising and deeply disturbing, since the horror of that story related to the corruption that has seized both the American government and its media. If you haven't seen it, do so. It will elevate your understanding of this whole COVID pandemic to a point miles above where the average person is, you know, lost behind a mask of deception. 
And on the return side of our bumper, you'll be hearing the voice of Dr. Roger Hodkinson on his rather dire assessment of the whole global situation. But first, here's Dr. Alexander. I can tell you there was this New York Times reporter who was soliciting me um, to, to write a story. And uh, of course, I would not give anybody any interviews. And um, she told me that um, they really wanted to, make, to do a hit piece on Trump. Mm-hmm. So that's why we weren't allowed to speak, because anything you would say, they would misconstrue it negatively, but really to hit Trump. It's all, the anger is to Trump. They would tell you that. This has nothing to do with you. Right. You're really trying to hurt Trump. Or because you worked with them or connected, because you cut Trump's lawn, we want to destroy you because it will destroy him. So she told me, she said, in the media, we all in D.C. operate with one dictum, which is this. Once we have a target, we know the news cycle is going to be for two or three days. We all are going to have the same talking points and run this for two to three days. And we know then a new story will come and we're going to have to shift focus and that will die. But during those two to three days, we are going to write collectively in a way that we want to achieve one of three things. One, the, the subject of our hit piece, our hit, will kill themselves. We know that. So if you took your life, we know that could happen. And that's the ultimate objective. So I was so shocked by that. Then she said, secondly, if that doesn't happen, because that is rare, we will burn your life down in those two to three days. We will make you unemployable. We will write in ways to smear and slander you. We will take anything you've written and rewrite it in a way to make you look almost insane that no one will employ you by the time we are done that we will strip you of your income. You will live on the street as a beggar. That's generally the objective. And if the second doesn't happen, and that's what you see. You see, you see it in Canada now. You see what they're doing to our doctors. and Yes, our yes, okay. yes. So what I'm saying is what she told me is how they do it. And she said the third one is, the third is we will write in such a way in the three-day period that we will invoke some crazy person in society to attack you themselves, to physically hurt you. And we do it by doing things like leaking your telephone number, we leak your, your address, things like that, which is exactly to what they do. So she told me in, in pure words how the media works. Who exactly and, again told you this? Who exactly? A New York, a New York uh, Post news reporter. Of course, I can't tell you her name. No, of course. And I know there's certain confidentiality you have to uphold because of But the- it's not just confidentiality. I mean, I mean, this person tried to get an interview, which really was to hurt the president. And I wouldn't give her that. Right. I gave nobody right. that. Nobody got that for me. I wouldn't let them do that. So, um, but but in, in trying to, to make me feel that I could trust her, she, she opened up like she that. She opened up like that. Yeah. So, but, but, but what I just said, she didn't have to say it, but she said it. She but what said. I just said plays out to you in life. Just look around. Oh, absolutely. I mean, look, Roger and I have both been involved in trying to expose the persecution of, of Canadian physicians. And now this is leading to a worldwide phenomenon being exposed. We looked at all of the evidence 
not some. We looked at all the science comparative studies, basic documents, basic reports, anything written, studied about the lockdowns. We cannot find any evidence, zero, that the lockdowns in any way worked across the world in any setting to reduce transmission or to reduce deaths. Zero, not some or one, zero. That's number one. We did the same for school closures. We cannot find any evidence and we've written about it. We summarized all of the evidence on school closures. And our, our conclusion is that there is school, to close schools to stop transmission and death for children was highly ineffective and catastrophic. We looked at all of the evidence regarding issues around mask mandates. We can't find one example, one, of any state in America or any country in the world, the entire world, where mask mandates were implemented and they worked to reduce transmission. We cannot find any. We cannot find any evidence of the effectiveness, the conclusive, definitive evidence on the effectiveness of masks. To me, it's just junk. It does nothing for you. And, and I'm not talking about just talking off the top of my head. We have looked at the evidence, all of it. And that's up to today. Now, to the vaccine, you mentioned children. I'm trying to remember everything you said. Children, when we look to the evidence, the evidence is clear. Children do not readily acquire disinfection. We also know when we look at the evidence conclusively that children do not spread this virus to another child. The risk of that is vanishingly small, exceedingly, almost statistical zero. We also found that children don't spread it. And I'm not talking about what I am saying. I am talking about we examined the evidence and we studied it, we summarized it, we manipulated it. For when I'm speaking here, it's because we've researched this and published it. What I think is happening here is, is it's an example of the, the wokeism in politics internationally now, in which politicians believe that they should be protecting everyone from everything, to eliminate every risk of living, and that is their job. And we're going to take that job in with, on with great seriousness, and when COVID came along, we are going to be your saviour. We have the ways to do it, and you have to trust us that we are acting in your best interest. Now, what the politicians have to come to grips with, as I've said previously, this, is, this, this sad episode is all about politics playing medicine, and that's an incredibly dangerous game. What they have to get, come to grips with is something I'm going to say now very bluntly, as a pathologist, it's not meant to be a callous, insensitive statement. It's just a pathologist rela relating life. Death happens. It's unavoidable. You have to get your minds around the fact that you cannot prevent death from happening when you get to a certain age and you have certain comorbidities. It's impossible to achieve. It's not a callous statement, it's just the reality. 
And so medicine is impotent in 2021 at protecting the global population from a pandemic. It cannot be done by any means known to medical science from a prevention perspective. I'm not talking about treatment now. You cannot control an aerosol with masks that are designed to trap things that are four or five times as big. It's obvious. You can't do it. By the same token, social distancing is pointless. As Paul has outlined, lockdowns from a million different perspectives were grotesque, had a grotesque failure. Never tried before ever in public health. We've never ever quarantined the healthy to protect the sick. It's always been the other way around. But the politicians wanted to do COVID zero, wrestle this to the ground. You know, we'll crank up the, the, the cycle thresholds to 45 so that we find every single case. Well, listen, you idiots. Of course, you'll find every single case when you do cycle thresholds at 45. Of course, everyone will be positive. You'll find every single case. But 99% of them will be simply labeled as false positives. And then you multiply that by 10 and you take another 10 times that out of the workforce because of your idiotic policy of asymptomatic testing producing catastrophic consequences in the economy. So, sorry, I'm getting angry here, Sam. Um, We're it, used to it, it Roger. It, it's, it's, it's good. It's at, a, it's at a scale of madness that is utterly unprecedented, not just in medicine, but in the written history of the world. We've, we've handled flu epidemics in the past very efficiently with personal responsibility without any involvement of government protecting us from the risk of dying of influenza. We accepted that risk, just as we accept the risk of driving to work in the morning in a head-on collision. Life is full of risks. Politicians can't get, risk, get rid of the risk, risks of everyday life, of which the roulette game of viral infections is merely one. This is... Um, this is the most, I think it's a reasonable statement, the most monstrous time in recorded human history to have affected billions of people on a pretext that has been shown to be totally false. It's had so many consequences, not just medical, but economic, and with huge implications for our children, both in terms of financial stability of the world and not the least of which is unknown consequences of the vaccination itself on fertility. Very basic issues here. So you put this all together, and I think it justifies the designation as, as, as the most monstrous period in human history. It, it exceeds the horrors of the Holocaust. It exceeds Stalinistic pogroms. It exceeds Mayo's Great Leap Forward. It exceeds Pol Pot. It exceeds all of those um, in its grotesqueness and, its, and how necessary the whole thing has been. It, it's, it, it's just absolutely staggering that we've got to this point in 2021 with all the sophistication of medicine and politics and the media, 
all that capability of heading this off at the pass right from the get-go. And I, I'm still shaking my head. I'm, I'm angrier and more depressed than I was in November when I, when I first started commenting publicly on this. I, I sincerely hope that um, I'm also writing, commenting at the end of the, the podcast here, Sam, but I, I, I so hope that we learned enormous lessons from this um, and that come the fall, um, we're not going to be reinstituting the madness that has absolutely no justification. Well, Dr. Hodkinson certainly doesn't pull punches about what he sees happening in the world right now. Most monstrous time in human history. Wow. But a madness with absolutely no justification? Really? If by justification you're talking about morality, well, then I would agree. But if by justification you mean having a reason, well, that's another story. For those who keep repeating that none of this makes sense, ask yourself, why doesn't it make sense? And then ask yourself, what kind of explanation makes all the contradictory and confusing messages coming out of our government make sense? To a doctor looking at the whole situation from a medical point of view, of course none of this makes sense. It's clear that the evidence does not match any official narrative. That is, if your assumption is that the actions taken are really about saving lives and trying to beat a coronavirus. But the evidence does match the narrative if you stop looking at health concerns or saving lives as being the objective. So if we want to make sense of this pandemic, we have to first fully acknowledge and understand that none of this is about a viral pandemic. To try to understand any of this against the narrative being spewed by corporate media and their political masters is to entirely miss the message. Will build back better from the COVID crisis yeah. is our opportunity. An unprecedented opportunity. This is our chance. To really build back better. This is our moment to change the future for the better. We can't afford to miss it, because this window of opportunity won't be open for long. We have a unique but rapidly shrinking window of opportunity to learn lessons and reset ourselves. So let's use this uh, window of opportunity. Push a moment to rebuild the future. It is imperative that we reimagine, rebuild, redesign, reinvigorate and rebalance our world. How do we build back better? Because it's not about return to yesterday. There is no return to, to yesterday. The, the terrible damage of COVID as we try to build back from this uh, global pandemic. Build back better. Build back better. Building back better. Building back better. What we say, building back better. Building back better out of COVID, there's huge opportunities for us. Build back better. Build back better agenda. My build back better agenda. We must build back better. We're going to build it back better. Build it back better. Build it back better. Building back better. Wow. Talk about original thinkers, right? What independence of thought and leadership. My goodness. And what does build back better mean anyway? Absolutely nothing and absolutely anything. It's a completely floating abstraction, disconnected from reality and reason. Who's writing their script? You know, that's what I want to know. 
Come to think of it, probably who is writing their script? You know, World Health Organization? <laughs> oh, man. It, it's about what has been planned all along. Long before any SARS-CoV-2 virus appeared on the world stage. It's all about political, economic, and social control of each individual's life. And its implementation all begins with the adoption and acceptance of what is today being called a vaccine passport. An oxymoronic term, if ever there was one. And which I'm sure will soon turn out to be known as something else entirely. As PPC candidate Jody Craven out in BC explained to Laura Lynn Tyler Thompson on September 17th, what we're seeing is this people are misunderstanding this mandatory vaccine passport. It's not about your vaccines, it's about your whole medical history, your banking financials, um, a tracking, track and trace. And now I hear through the grapevine, they want to take away your license and put it on this vaccine passport. Yeah, so welcome to the Great Reset, Agenda 21. We have to stop allowing the distraction of COVID-19 to prevent our seeing the deep, deep, deep state of corruption that currently exists in the United States. The fact that Donald Trump is still alive today, I mean, given the swamp into which he was forced to swim, uh, it's a miracle in and of itself. And the current usurper of Trump's rightful presidency is wreaking untold damage upon his country, just as Canada's own Justin Trudeau has, and now will continue to wreak havoc upon Canada. And add to their voices all of the other world leaders who all sang in the same choir of Build Back Better. You know, only one world leader wasn't singing this tune. Donald Trump. Politicians cannot build, quote-unquote, anything. They never have and never will. What they're trying to destroy, not build, is the economic system of capitalism. It's the new left, as Ayn Rand described it more than half a century ago. And the new left is the anti-industrial revolution. Like I said, a death cult. If any of this scares you, good. Indifference, ignorance, and denial are scary in and of themselves, given what's at stake. And indifference, ignorance, and denial are the biggest obstacles facing any of us who are fighting to preserve individual freedom and our individual right to choose. Until this war gets physical, it's still an information war. And we'll know it's been won when we see enough people breaking from the spell of their COVID trance and waking to the reality of the real threat staring them in the face. So let's keep bombarding the enemy with truth. They say the truth will set us free, but truth kept silent will keep us enslaved. So before shows like this get censored, blacklisted, or however else shadow banned, and before your right to choose no longer exists, be sure you choose to join us again next week when we will continue our journey in the right direction. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. To black and white Under the bedclothes Everything will be alright You know, Colonel Hogan, I am amazed how naive you are when it comes to military matters. How did you ever become a colonel? Hard work, sir, just plain hard work. Plus the fact my father's president of the United States. <laughs>